Hello, Woodlane community. This is Pastor Brian, and you are listening to the Woodlane Worship Podcast, episode 008. If you are listening to this, you are an honorary member of our community where we seek to bring the presence of Christ to those around us. On this week's episode, we are preparing for our chili cook-off after worship. One of the techniques people would employ to get all their samples at once was to use a muffin pan. And it worked out perfectly. All the chilies marked and separated, each in its own tin. Great for such meals. Not so great for life. As we'll see. Well, this morning, as Richard said, we get to celebrate our chili cook-off. And for us, it really is a celebration, isn't it? It's a good time up there. It's one of those celebrations where you don't have to eat for like a week afterwards because you're so stuffed all the samples and there's all kinds of good smells and tastes that are going to be up there. You can almost smell them even from here. If Brian would just sort of open up that door a little bit and waft some of that in here. But I'm guessing none of the entries, pull out your cupcake tins and get ready to sample. You go across all the crock pots. I don't think you're going to see an entry with a jar that looks like this. And if so, it's not going to have a whole lot of money for voting in it. When you get to that dessert table, and you know that's where the glory is right there. Cookies, cakes, brownies, sugar. Again, probably not going to win a whole lot of votes for best dessert. Cooking doesn't work like that. It uses multiple ingredients, multiple tools, multiple techniques from probably all over the kitchen to make a good chili, a good dessert, a good cornbread. And so if you like the taste of the result of those recipes, you picked a good Sunday to be here. If you like the concept of an abundant, blessed life, and you want a little taste of some of that, you picked a good Sunday to be here. Because the recipe is really pretty simple. It's the same as cooking. Let's pray together. God, transform us through your word. Help us to offer ourselves as living sacrifices. All that we are, all that we have to worship you are all in all. Amen. This morning I'm going to read the scripture. It comes actually just after what we read last week. Last week we were reading about Jesus coming in to Jerusalem on what we often call Palm Sunday with Mark 11, 1 through 11. Now we're going to pick it up with verse 12 through 19, same chapter. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, he, Jesus, was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see whether perhaps he would find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. And then they, Jesus and his entourage, came to Jerusalem. And he entered the temple and began to drive out those who were selling and those who were buying in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. He was teaching and saying, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations? But you have made it a den of robbers. And when the chief priests and the scribes heard it, they kept looking for a way to kill him. For they were afraid of him, because the whole crowd was spellbound by his teaching. And when evening came, Jesus and his disciples went out of the city. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. You see those hints of Good Friday starting to brew up. As we continue our journey in Jesus' final week. 
coming up to what we call Holy Week, celebrating Good Friday, leading to Easter. And as Jesus and his crew are coming into Jerusalem, out of Bethany, to go over to the temple. And temple, as I had said to the kids, was a place of worship, an equivalent, if you will, to the church, but very much more subdivided than what a church might be. See, all these different sections around here, all for different groups of people, different purposes. You have the court of the priests, you have the holy of holies, you have the holies, the court for the Israelites, you've got areas for each of the the different kinds of sacrifices, the court for the women, they had to be separate, you had the court for the Nazareth, and then all the way on the outside there, you had the court of the Gentiles, outside of the, the temple, all very nice and neatly chopped up. And all of this that is taking place is going on out there, on the outskirts, in the court of the Gentiles. And people are coming in. You know, this is the, the biggest festival that they are getting ready for. Perfect that it actually works out on one of our big festival days, if you will. People are coming in for Passover. And people are coming from all over the place. And so, in order to be able to have an offering come into the temple, especially if you're from the outside, you have to be able to pay a temple tax, which supports the temple. And if you're coming from the outside you might need a little bit of money changing. Just like how I can't pay the IRS my taxes with rubles or with yen, but people who would come from from other lands would have to translate their money, change out their money for money that the temple would accept. Hence how you have all these money changers. Hence how you have all these money cheaters. They had to deal with it because you had to be able to get into the temple to be able to access the forgiveness that God would offer. See, ultimately, the temple was the place where heaven and earth met together. And to understand why Jesus died on the cross, of the many reasons that we could give as we, as we would explore it, know that he is sort of the personification of that temple. And this is going through kind of a lot of lesson stuff, and we'll get to kind of where the meat of where all this leads. But he is where heaven and earth meet together in one person. Jesus being fully God, fully divine. That's sort of the heaven part. Jesus being fully human. All that he experienced that says he, he walked the same roads that we do. And they kind of merge together in one person. He is the place where sacrifice and forgiveness come together because he would be that once-for-all sacrifice. And we get to receive the forgiveness by accepting that sacrifice as payment for our sins. And when one worships in this setting, where heaven and earth are meeting, you would expect that their lives would be changed. I mean, that's world-changing, not not to mention life-changing among the individuals. You would expect fruit of repentance, a changed life. And yet, it's not happening here in the very place where heaven and earth meet together. No fruit. Hmm. Just before Jesus got into the temple, he had a little run-in with a fig tree that wouldn't bear fruit. If anyone was paying attention, you kind of remember what Jesus decided to do with that fig tree that would bear no fruit? He cursed it. And you mix in a little bit of drama, a little bit of anger, and a little bit of Bethlehem biceps, and Jesus does the same thing in the temple. Sure, Worship still happens in the temple. And as I said, it's very nice and compartmentalized and people are offering 
There's sacrifices there. And over in the other corner, they're sharing the town gossip. There's much procedure and much ceremony to the washing that people would, get, would do, especially the priests. And then you have the money changers who make mob loan sharks look like altar boys. And Jesus walks into this, and you know what he does? Cleans out the temple. You will not worship in my father's house and cheat people at the same time. You will not wash your hands for me and then dirty the reputations of your neighbor at the same time in just another little section of the temple. Not in my house. My whole temple will be a house of prayer for all the nations. Not women over here and priests over here. Not Israelites over here and Gentiles over here. No, the whole thing. We're all people. I want to quickly jump to another section of the New Testament. One short verse out of Paul's writing. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? It's for the Christian, all the descriptions of the Jerusalem temple count for you. The place where heaven and earth meet, the Holy Spirit living in you. And when Jesus noticed that people were starting to use a certain part of his temple for worship and another part of his temple to cheat and to steal, he cleaned house. So is the temple that is sitting in your seat compartmentalized, chopped up, even nice and neat? Do you maybe negotiate faith with God like a business transaction? You can have an hour on Sunday morning, God, okay, I'll give you that, but you know what, that whole relationship part, that's all mine. Don't touch. I'll serve coffee on Sunday, but boy, somebody better be serving me on Monday. Maybe we don't practice it quite so overtly. But if we really thought about it, is there ever a place in your life, a topic in your life, a concept in your life that you really don't want to pray about? That if somebody knew about that, you kind of shudder at the thought? Maybe it's part like that fig tree that has stopped bearing fruit in your life. Here's the truth. Our all in all wants our all. God says, I've done the hard work. The sacrifices, the forgiveness, they're all accomplished. Jesus said it is finished, and that's when, when he was hanging on the cross, when the debt was paid, when the, when the means for forgiveness was fully offered. God says, let me put the results of that work into your life, into all parts of your life. And when we say no to that plea, the results start to fall on us. They're left to us and they rarely work out too well. You know, when people read the, the news or, or see the news on TV and communities ask questions when things like Parkland happen and Sandy Hook and Columbine. And they often ask this question. It's a, it's a good question. God, where were you? 
Where are you when this kind of stuff happens? Why weren't you there? Why didn't you make the gun jam? Why didn't you make the car stall on the way to the shooting? And people have said, kind of speaking as an answer for God, maybe it's not in Scripture, but still, I think it's a good answer. God says, well, I'm not allowed in school. And yeah, we can smile and snicker about it when it happens over there. But what about when the same thing happens when God has to answer, well, I'm not allowed in your relationships. I'm not allowed in your thought life. I'm not allowed in your finances. The good thing, though, is there's a flip side to this. That when we say yes to that plea, to God saying, I want to be your all in all, Holy Spirit knocking on your heart, if you will, if you use that imagery. There can be growth. There can be healing. There can be restoration. There can be blessing. There can be life. Imagine that. And we can bear fruit again. Now, it may be scary. No doubt. I mean, this involves coming to God with areas of our lives that maybe we kept hidden away, that maybe have more skeletons growing in their closet than the guy who had the minions all ready to do his bidding in all the the movies. And it can be scary to kind of let them out. Feel like tearing an open wound and pouring salt all over it. But we need to keep in mind one truth that Jesus shares in Matthew 11. When he says, Come to me, all that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Offer God that dark area of your life, no matter how many skeletons may be multiplying within it. And Jesus promises, I will be gentle with it. I will take care of you through it. I will bring restoration in it. I had a friend who met kind of the stereotypical hard guy. He was a guy, what I like to call the no way guy. No way is God working in this guy's life. You know, the tattoos, uh, um, really curt and short with his answers to my friend and with his family. And didn't want to talk. And he actually intimidated my friend. And my friend is no schlub. I mean, he can take care of himself. My friend was like, Wow. But my friend got the chance to share the gospel through his ministry, the way he does it. And it did, in this hard guy's life, what only the gospel can do. And it started to break down the shell of this guy. And after the night had gone on, he admitted that God needed to work on sort of the anger compartment of his life. Kind of adapting a bit of what he had said and how the conversation went. But there started to be hope. At that moment, hope for restoration, hope for life to come again. So pray for Eric. He's this hard guy that my friend ran into. Pray for him that that glimmer of hope starts to grow, starts to bear fruit in his life. And for each of us, this is one of those few times that I'm going to give you a next step that involves, that just goes straight between you and God. If after doing some honest searching, and be honest with yourself, you can say, yes, I give God everything that I have. When I am the living sacrifice, as Paul says in Romans 12, all of my body stays on the the offering table. 
If that's the case, and you can honestly say that, thank God. And my prayer for you, and hopefully your prayer for yourself, is God, give me the strength to keep doing that. The willingness and the courage to keep doing that, to keep living that way. But if there's an area of your life that, as you think about it, you kind of realize, hey, maybe I've sort of held this back. Even if it's just one area to start, offer that. Pray that God would start working on that. Start softening that part of your life, that part of your heart. Hopefully that you might be able, well, not hopefully, it will happen, just a matter of when. You can start to experience abundant life in that area. Because our all in all wants our all. And God can do amazing things with it when we answer that plea. Yes, here it is. Do what only you can do. Thanks again for listening to the Woodlane Worship Podcast. I hope we've given you something to make you think. If you'd like more information about our community, check us out at woodlanechurch.org. Or if you happen to be in the Finger Lakes area, come check us out live on a Sunday morning. On next week's episode, we often have an aversion to authority figures. But if we have no authority figure in our lives, nobody we can model for how we live, we must come up with it all on our own. And that can yield some pretty wild results. Come see how one authority is worth following and how that can bring life. Join us next week on the Woodlane Worship Podcast. Podcast.